welcome bridget uh, in this guest house that i call where i invite <laughs> guests and uh, i just have a conversation with them a really deep intense two hour long conversation and uh, instead of me introducing them also because uh, the question is really interesting one part second part is because i'm a little lazy uh, <laughs> the first question i ask my guests is uh, how would a loved one introduce you i knew that was coming so i actually asked my husband this morning i said what would you say to introduce me and um he was like well your name and <laughs> you're the chief meal planner of that vegan family kitchen thing and i was like no no more interesting and um he said well she's the woman who does it all and um that's quite true in our in our family life um but i'm i i think he would also say that i'm a, a very passionate educator for about food primarily I am so interested in so many different things and always loving connecting with others to understand how they're living and see if um there's a way that I can serve them in what some way or another and uh very passionate about making making the world you know a slightly better place my mom always said you know if you leave a room try to leave the room better than when you you walked in it right and that's a simple principle in household management but it should also be true of of the planet i think it's it's very hard for us the place we've come into is is so messy and where it's organized to make it messier you know the 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 world and we just like by existing we're using so many resources but i i my husband would certainly say that i i feel a big responsibility to try to improve things at least just just a little bit really interesting that one uh, metaphor that you know whenever you're leaving a leaving a room just leave it a little better impressive so uh, i know that we are going to talk a lot about veganism and uh, just just to set the premise and about you know like where i have been in that journey uh so i haven't actually talked a lot about veganism i'm i'm not pretty sure why maybe just because i'm a little nervous that maybe i don't know enough so uh this is probably kind of my way to get more knowledge but nanders have been a vegan for 2 years now and this is kind of the recent most experiment that i've done in my life that i haven't talked a lot about i have you know like talked here and there a little bit about that i'm vegan and this is why i'm vegan or how i turned vegan and stuff like that but the way i talk about mental health and all that stuff i haven't really talked about veganism and what i am speculating is probably because i don't feel confident enough in you know the subject matter so i rather experiment it on myself first rather than you know asking somebody else to try on them totally let's see uh, where i will be after these two hours so you know <laughs> you're touching on a point that's so important and that was a very important thing for me when i i first started dabbling with you know being vegan and eating vegan they're kind of two different things we can get over that later but yeah there's a lot of there's something i i you know 
tongue in cheek, I like to say the vegan police is out there and it's watching, right? And there's some people that maybe they live, you know, vegan level 100 and they're watching that everybody mm -hmm. who calls themselves vegan lives to that exact same standard, right? And there's very, very few people like that, but just I think there's a fear that if you call yourself vegan, and for example, I know there's a lot of athletes that eat a primarily mm. plant-based diet or that are, you know, would otherwise identify as vegan um, or, or public personalities, but they're scared of saying that out loud because what if somebody sees them eating, you know, crackers that have honey in the ingredients and they just didn't read the ingredients and, you know, everybody is pointing at them, telling them, you know, they're a fake hypocritical vegan kind of thing. And it's, it's ridiculous, right? But there's really a lot of pressure that surrounds the term vegan. So for me, it took two full years of, you know, eating mostly plant-based diet before I was like, okay, I think I'm confident, like telling the world mm. I'm vegan. And some people, you know, they go vegan overnight and they tell everybody, and then they have like people knocking on their heads, telling them they're doing it wrong. And it's super dispiriting. It's, it's a really yeah. unfortunate part of the culture, but I understand why people are hesitant to, to be public about it because there's, there's really very strong, passionate feelings about it um, in the community. And sometimes it, it's not necessarily helping completely, mm. let's put it that way. So uh, interesting, I haven't really thought about this point. So thank you for you know pointing it out. Uh, with me, uh, so I call myself like a 99% eating vegan diet. It's uh, not diet, but eating plant-based food. And yeah, so it's uh, probably because I, you know, like order a, cup, a lot from outside. And uh, it's it, again, probably because I eat sometimes biscuits and stuff with, you know, some snacks where it might have a little bit of milk solids and stuff like that. Or when I'm uh, ordering something from outside, even if it's written like plain, some vegetable Indian food. So in India, dairy is a really, really big ingredient in almost anything, yeah. right? Ghee. So There's even, always going to be ghee somewhere. <laughs> ghee or butter or lassi curd, milk, anything. Yeah. So, you know, like even so in Indian culture, it's probably a symbol of love that you pour a spoon of ghee. So even when I specifically mention that don't put it, they still, you know, there will be a spoon of it here and there. So I do not uh, like kind of discard it and stuff like that. If it's in the food, I will eat it. It's totally fine. Like one spoon it's, here and there, totally yeah. fine. You know, and, I, I go by as far as you can possibly go right but yeah you can't go crazy about it because really i mean there's animal product in the tires of cars and bicycles you know so in money <laughs> a lot of in, in a lot of countries there's tallow which comes mm. from beef fat in money so you know are you going to stop using money you know do what you can so uh interestingly uh yeah, I, that, that was a really great revelation from you that a lot of time people do not say it out publicly. So here's what happens usually. So with my friends, 
even when i'm not the person who is going to order if you know we are going out and they are going to order somebody from them is going to order they take care that i'm not going to eat dairy <laughs> so <laughs> it's always an interesting topic to start a conversation it's really hard it's it's very novel for a lot of people this idea that um not only you don't eat the flesh of animals but you also don't eat like that there's secretions i mean and most people don't like to say secretions but it is their secretions of cows and and hens right and they're like well you know the chicken doesn't die after laying an egg but it's so much more complicated than that and uh, it's not really a conversation you want to have over dinner also <laughs> you know it's not a fun conversation it doesn't make for a super cool party with your friends um it's it's not easy so here's my kind of a quick uh, escape whenever i'm you know in the middle of a uh, like i'm visiting someone let's say a relative or somebody and they don't know what veganism is which is like in india it's really really a new concept because mm-hmm. vegetarian and non vegetarian is a you know concept that you don't eat the flesh of an animal it's, it's totally acceptable in india but uh, milk has been marketed in india as a kind of a vital thing for your living same your here being. same here right? so <laughs> uh, my escape has been that i'm allergic to dairy <laughs> and it works they, yeah. and they they always ask like how are you still living and i'm like yeah i know i'm i'm not healthy i understand <laughs> that's a, yeah has, that's a common strategy i've heard that here before too uh, it works it, i mean it, It, it works. It works. But uh, otherwise, what I've seen is more and more. So I was not aware of what veganism is. What veganism is up until let's say three months, uh, three years ago. I turned vegan two years ago, twenty-five months today. So, and remind, I remind me, remind me what made you do that. Great. I know yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about this before, but what what triggered you to make this decision? Because as you say, it's a big thing. It's a big change to make that few people understand, right? sure so uh i went through depression and i started having anxiety attacks in 2016 and i believe that was the point where the seed was you know like kind of uh entered in my body because my therapist at that time was uh an animal lover and being a hopeless at that time because again depression is hopelessness so i was really hopeless in my life so uh I kind of hated anything and everything, so even animals and stuff like that. And I was not an animal lover in the very beginning. So over the time, I got better. My mental health got a lot better. Then somehow I met this one dog, and uh, you know, uh, so she, so I was doing my internship in a hilly area somewhere with my friends, and uh, she used to. Uh, walk with us from our home to our you know uh, the the uh, college or university or whatever so that was the first uh, touch base that i had with animals and kind of started developing you know like love for animals and i was still really scared to touch her <laughs> she she was a bitch i was really scared to touch her i, I was always thought to be scared of animals since my childhood yeah. because even my family But animals you don't know you never know how they're going to react right and it's a, it's a good assumption 
so uh, over the time i uh, again went through some tough times and suddenly one day i realized that uh, so let so i was reading minimalism then i haven't connected the dots yet thank you for asking and minimalism basically says that try cutting out something you really love right so i i really love eating non vegetarian food that time so i was like let me see what happens if i don't eat it Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, one day I just decided that you know what, let me just make the shift. So I have been a person who makes these shifts overnight. So obviously there was a little uh, tough time for me initially when I became vegetarian from non-vegetarian, but I was relying a lot on cheese and paneer and you know ghee, butter, curd, and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah. i was vegetarian i became vegetarian 2017 november and i saw how it impacted me positively in soft skills so as i was telling that uh, i started uh, i cut out non vegetarian food in my diet like all the flesh i was primarily eating chicken like probably once a day and i cut it out in november 2017 and after that i saw a lot of intangible results in me intangible as in i became more compassionate kind and then again it was not uh, only because i turned vegetarian it was also because i was doing a lot of other stuff it was a multivariable equation but nonetheless i knew that you know just by cutting out meat or chicken from my diet it has impacted me so positively and it was something that you know i i just couldn't speak out in words i knew the feeling was there i knew i got the result yeah. but it, it was just so like i could say that i had this glass of water and it you know it uh, helps me with my thirst so it it's quantifiable in some sense but how do you say that you know by just cutting out this kind of meal in your diet you become more kind it didn't make sense back then but i knew you know like something was there so i was like uh, i was vegetarian for one and a half year by vegetarian i mean you know just not eating the eggs and uh, meat but i was heavily relying on the milk products yeah yeah and then i really love having challenges in my life that's something about me <laughs> i i am curious i would you I know, want to try something you. new <laughs> thank you that's awesome like this you know uh, interview series that i was just curious that you know what would happen if i invite people and have a two hour conversation with them and you know like share this conversation to on youtube or somewhere where people can watch it great way of sharing your stories and you know your guest stories too so uh, one and a half year later i was suffering not suffering i don't like the word suffering but i was going through a tough phase health wise and be- because i was living in a city really polluted and i started having migraine again after like so many years and yeah. uh, so i needed to quit my job and i had to you know shift back from that city so it was a time where uh, so i had a little bit of savings like a few months worth of savings so i decided i'll be self employed and i'll start you know working on my health first because that's something that i need and i decided let me be vegan let me yeah. see how it goes and i decided being vegan i guess like two weeks before i actually did it so uh, so uh, on 1st april 
it's the uh, it was 25th uh, anniversary of my parents and i went to uh, so i went on a one day trip a day before that with my parents and i had a lot of dairy <laughs> <laughs> just to enjoy it one last meal and yeah. uh, after that i i like converted uh, converted how i don't know i became like you know plant based eater if that's a word and so uh, it happened overnight there were some rules that i had one whey protein with me and it was costly i didn't want to you know like just throw it out so i was like you know like let me continue consuming it it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. two three weeks of stuff and then i made a promise to myself that uh, if i order something like again you know like if they have one or two spoons of ghee it's okay with me i'm not going to uh, you know uh, go against that i'm not going to throw the food second thing was i'm vegan as lo- for as long as until my doctor advises me otherwise mm-hmm. because it has happened in the past like 6 years ago when i was a teenager 6 or no like 8 9 years ago when i was a teenager <laughs> we're not getting any younger <laughs> so 8 9 years ago when i was a teenager i tried quitting meat but then what happened i started getting you know that was my first uh, case with migraine at that time and my doctor advised me to continue with uh, i don't remember fish or chicken or something so i started eating it at that time so this time yeah so uh, this time when i became vegan this was the promise i made to myself i'm vegan for as long as my doctor does not advise me against it yeah 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 totally see that and you know it's i was just reading the story yesterday somebody on random person on instagram that was talking about having uh, for health reasons she has been vegan for a few years and and she feels she has to go back to eating meat right and i'm not going to argue about those stories um what i know mm-hmm. is that um and i'm i'm not a doctor i'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian i'm a sociologist okay that's my training i'm a phd in sociology so um i examine the the nutrition and the scientific literature quite a bit um and my understanding is that there's a lot of downsides to eating meat and and dairy and eggs right um but there's a reason in history why we started to eat those things and if you mm. look at a hundred i mean in north america and europe like look at a hundred to two hundred years ago industrial revolution all of those people leaving farmland you know they had been farmers for generations and then they moved to the cities and it's not like you had the the complicated global food distribution system that we have today right mm-hmm. i go to the grocery mm-hmm. store and there's plenty of every vegetable and fruit in the world you know and in all the the whole grains and different kinds of legumes 150 years ago it wasn't like that right and definitely um fresh vegetables were were not very common in the city you know it was not like you could just buy them mm-hmm. whereas it became it was a really big revolution when they were able to bring um dairy cows in the cities or just on the edge of the cities right because milk needed mm. to be refrigerated if you want you know to keep it for a long time but if the the milk, you know if the cow was right in the middle of the city you know close to my house 
um, there's a, a building that's just been torn down and they're building a new, new thing of housing on top. And it's called the dairy. And I looked into it and it used to be a dairy farm. And it was just mm. on the edge of the city when the city was growing and growing and growing. And eventually with refrigeration, they didn't need it anymore. But in the meantime, um, they, they, they brought in those nutrients you know, from the cows and the cows were eating the greens, the grass, the vegetables basically, right? And it's pro I see it as processed food, right? Where mm. cow eat the, the, the veg, you know, the vegetables basically, the greens and make it into milk and it makes it easy then to feed your kids and your kids don't die of malnourishment because a hundred years ago, that was a common thing. You know, little children under five yeah. were often, you know, malnourished and, and died of all sorts of reasons. And meat is the same thing. You know, meat is basically, you know, grains um, and other, you know, grass and things that the animals have eaten and they have processed by biological processing these things into their, their flesh. And so if you put yourself 100 and 200 years ago, I'm not going to blame those people who were, you know, living in the cities for eating meat because it was really a convenient yeah essential way for them to get nutrients that were not available right and so when when i think people transition away from eating meat they're they're missing out on that convenience right and your body needs to retrain to absorb nutrients from different sources and you need to eat mm. from a lot of different sources right you can't mm -hmm. just eat white rice and I don't know, black beans all day long or, or white beans, you know, it's okay. Yeah. You will survive for a while, but eventually you're going to run into problems, right? And mm. so having a really broader diversity of plant foods is really what's healthiest, right? There's, there's people yeah. I know who went vegan for the animals and it like their own health didn't matter. You know, they would just eat mm. plain pasta all day long. It's vegan right? <laughs> and yeah. like, I don't matter. I'm here to save the animals. It's like, well, you won't be saving animals in 30 years if you just eat plain pasta every single day of your life, right? Um, <laughs> but so I understand that in that transition, some people, um, they, may, they may be missing out on some, some nutrients. Mm. And although they're, they're now uh, released from the, the more systemic, you know, cardiovascular problems mm. associated with eating meat and dairy and eggs and stuff. Um, they may not suffer from diabetes, but they may develop these weird conditions because they don't have a, a complete vegan diet, maybe, right? Yeah. Or maybe their bodies has just not, have just not adapted to absorbing oh, the nutrients. It's not impossible, I mean, you know, it, it happens. Yeah. Um, this I'm, being I'm said sorry. though, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, just to wrap up on this, a, a lot of sure, doctors, sure. a lot of doctors are, I mean, most doctors are completely uneducated about nutrition, right? And yeah. if anything is happening to you, it's surely because you're not eating meat and dairy, right? It's the first reason, you know, if, if, if you're feeling sick, oh, just eat meat, you'll be fine because everybody eats meat and they're all fine, you know, until they're not. Um, but I, I think that's also part of the issue is that we don't understand the really more complicated aspects mm. of nutrition and how food and all of its components, not just like individual vitamins, but like the whole package of yeah. food, how it interacts yeah. with our bodies. We don't understand it really well. It's really quite, you know, 
awe-inspiring how complex it is and how fantastically our bodies react to this, right? But for most people, it's like, well, it's just easier to so, bring back the yeah. meat, right? One thing that I would want to point out is, uh, as you mentioned, that a lot of doctors are not really aware. You know, I have uh, I have uh, one close friend who has who had uh, anorexia, and her nutritionist didn't understand what anorexia is, and she tried giving her small and small and small meals, and you know all the basic regime. Mm for how to gain more muscle or gain more weight, stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. obviously it didn't work out really well for her. So I totally understand what, when you mentioned that, you know. That's so hard, yeah. A lot of even certified professional are not really aware of what's going on. And what I'm seeing more and more is, again, maybe a topic to discuss with someone else. <laughs> I don't know. But what I'm seeing more and more is how certifications are not really a good measurement of your, you know, uh, skills, probably. Yeah, it's, it's funny because okay. the, <laughs> my previous career, I was a researcher in, in universities. Um, and what I studied, you know, some people are like entomologists, they study ants, mm. right? And mm -hmm. some anthropologists yeah. study distant tribes that live on a, you know, an island that has never had contact. <laughs> I studied scientists, you know, I was studying okay. scientists as if they were a different tribe, <laughs> if you like. And um, scientists, engineers, and, and doctors were the, the three main kind of people that I was studying. And mm. I was most interested in their training, you know, how they become, how they come to know what, what they know, right? And so as I'm becoming more interested in plant-based eating and, and veganism, I'm I've become really interested in seeing the evolution of how the medical people are advising their, their patients, right? And five, so I became vegan. Um, I decided to call myself vegan in 2015. Um, I had been eating plant-based a bit before that. And at that time, you know, it's not even that long ago, it's just six years ago. You would never hear a doctor tell their patients to eat more plant-based food. It was, there were some weirdos, you know, doctors here and there that were, that had been doing that for many years, but it was really the exception. Now, every single day I hear from somebody that says, well, my doctor told me that I had to go plant-based to try to heal my diabetes or to deal with heart yeah. disease or because I have prostate cancer and, you know, it's not going to kill me just yet, but I, if I want to try to you know, turn it down a little bit, it would help to eat, you know, more plant-based and less meat and dairy. And there's a clear association with dairy and, and prostate cancer. So that's one thing we understand now. And now I mm. hear that every day. And I'm so excited when I hear that, you know, because, and also um, gastrointestinal problem, you know, Crohn's disease, um, other in intestinal diseases, increasingly people are seeing a connection between what and it's not just meat, you know, it's, it's the standard Western diet of just eating so much crap as if it didn't matter. Yeah. You know, so, eating you know, processed food. Uh, um, one thing I would want to mention, you know, like how, uh, and I was going to plug in it somewhere. Uh, and this is my personal experience. So uh, I have been donating blood like once or twice. Yeah, a year. that's great. Uh, 
uh, for the past six seven years since I turned eighteen. In fact, before I turned eighteen, so something <laughs> illegal. But then again, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. what happened Fair was <laughs> <laughs> my vein. You know, like uh, these are called veins, right? My veins yes. were really narrow, and the doctor had to really search it out. And not kidding, not making it up. Really, once they had to, you know, like at one in one incident, they had to put it in my left arm. It didn't get enough blood from it, so they had to put yeah, it in yeah. my right arm, and it was so painful. And I, yes, I, you know, it, I, I, okay, I want to do something good, but I didn't want it to be so painful. Yeah, yeah. When I started, uh, you know, be, uh, when I became vegan. uh guess what blood donation is a lot easier for me <laughs> you're kidding that is so awesome you know i i used to give blood all the time um partly just because there was a blood clinic that was close to where i lived in montreal and then when i moved to bc i haven't donated blood here also because i've traveled mm. to some countries and they're super picky about you know whether or not they'll take my blood um so i haven't donated blood since i i went vegan but that's so cool i'm going to Make a few phone calls today to see if I can it's start giving so blood long. again, because it's been so long since I've traveled that they're probably going to be okay taking my blood now. I actually donated like last week, I think, I guess, because before vaccination, it yeah, kind yeah. of recommended that you, you know, like donate blood. That's a good idea. I like that. So That's I, very cool. So the thing is, after vaccination, I, I guess for two or three months, you're not able, you will not be able to donate blood. So oh, you know, okay. like it, it's being. recommended by doctors and stuff like you know like if you can donate blood before getting vaccinated so i'm going to get vaccinated like maybe in two weeks so i donated blood before that uh, but cool. le- legit i didn't know that this one medical benefit i'll be getting because eating so much non vegetarian food and now i have the explanation now i know that you know like it, it's really easy for me to give blood like doctors do not have to search for my veins so for so long That's fantastic. That's a and you know, I mean it you can see you've probably seen if you're into you know, fitness and things. You've probably seen the movie The Game Changers. Not Have yet. you seen that? It's a it's a documentary on Netflix. It's really good um because it's it's really the first documentary about plant-based eating that's been made really thinking about men. Because mm. although there's a lot of of uh, vegan for the animals kind of men activists a lot of the change has been done by women you know women are more often health conscious than men and for good reason you know my my father passed away sadly last year and my mother took care of his health for like 3 years pretty much full time before he passed away and my mother is in fantastic shape and she's been eating all those salads her whole life and things right uh, but my father was not somebody who took very good care of his health and my mother paid the price for that right my mother was the one who who had to take care of him after his health deteriorated and re- it really didn't have to and is so women have is there an imbalance based on the gender like men are less vegan and women are more um vegan? i i think it's depends where you look but there's more women who are interested in making changes like because they 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 do more of the cooking you know and mm. and they think more about their children's health they think more about their their spouse's health um and that's you know in a traditional men women kind of a 
you know, relationship. There's lots of ver variation. Yeah. But I think yeah. in the standard, in the standard gender roles, women are the caregivers, right? Yeah. And yeah. so they start hearing, and it's a lot, you know, in women's magazine stuff about, you know, and eating more healthy, have, eating more vegetables, stuff like that. Does right? it have something to do with evolution? Like, you know, like men are supposed to go out and hunt and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, depending on who you ask, I think there's a lot of conflict about, you know, how long ago has it been? Uh, but clearly in modern times, um, you know, in the last hundred years, it's been women's role to somehow figure out how to feed the kids and what am I going to mm. give them and making sure that everybody is healthy and growing. And, you mm. know, when people are sick, well, mom is often the one who has to deal with it, right? So there's a primary interest there. Um, and definitely you can see that um, in, in Game Changers, back to this, sorry. So in, in Game okay. Changers, they're really targeting men um, and they're mm. really going after masculinity and you know performance and including sexual performance and all those different things. <laughs> and one of the things they show is uh, people's blood serum. So they, they pull out blood samples from these tree guys um, after eating different kinds of dinners. Right, and some of them have a beef burrito, and some of them have a black bean burrito, and you can see it in their blood, like even like three hours after the meal or something like that, you can see the difference, and you know in in mm. how much um, basically matter is in suspension in the serum of the blood as opposed to being clear and like free flowing, and imagine you're eating three times a day possibly up to six times a day when you have a lot of snacks. Imagine what it does, you know, meal after meal after meal after meal to consume so much saturated fat uh, and so little fiber. Because one thing you mentioned at the beginning is that, you know, just taking out meat, I was feeling better. But have you considered what you added to your diet? Because obviously you were probably eating about the same amount of calories every day, but what did you add to, you know, replace that meat? And I would bet that you would be eating a lot more fiber than yeah. you were previously. And, you know, people ask me, oh, where do you get your protein? I'm like, well, where do you get your fiber? <laughs> you know, because most <laughs> people don't, don't get enough fiber. Um, something I hear <laughs> from other moms all the time is that their kids are constipated. And I'm like, my kids are not constipated. <laughs> you know, it's not a problem. But when, when you don't eat enough fiber, your body doesn't clean itself. You yeah, know, in quite the same way. And I, you know, I don't want to get into detail, but clearly there's things we get more of. You get more phytonutrients when you eat more vegetables, you know, yeah. you eat more colorful things and all those extra foods that come in their package, you know, with all the nutrients together and not just processed by the animal, I think are yeah. a lot richer for us. And it can, I'm sure I can, I can believe it, that it would have a really sudden positive impact on you. So point one, uh, it's a really great meme. <laughs> we are getting your proteins and we are getting your fiber. I'll yeah, see yeah, if totally. I can make something out of it. <laughs> Second thing <laughs> is, uh, so I have actually seen this difference in myself. My digestion is a lot better after I turn vegetarian. Like after vegan, it's really great. Multiple folds. <laughs> yeah, that's like but top level. <laughs> even, yeah, even by just, you know, eradicating the meat my digestion improved a lot. Then again, I because I have a history of binge eating disorder, uh, I eat a lot of junk food. 
so it's really easy for me to add a lot of stuff instead of removing from a diet so my yeah. practice always is that let me see what i can add more good stuff in it you know like adding more nuts adding more salads and stuff like that but then again uh, the digestion issues have been really really like fewer since i turned vegan totally and what you mentioned is the perfect way when when some people come to me and you know they're they don't want to be vegan and as we said at the beginning you know being vegan has a lot of weight to it right it's not something that most people want to put on their shoulders and and that's fine um but when people are just like yeah i'm you know i i realize that eating more this way is probably a good thing for me i'm not ready to go all the way but i'm like you don't need to cut things out what you need to do is add stuff on your plate and there's a doctor called michael greger who has written a book called how not to die and it's a really really big book he is in a good way he's a complete nerd he's a total nutrition nerd he and his team they look at every single scientific article published in peer reviewed journal about the topic of nutrition in the world every year and we're talking mm. tens of thousands of articles yeah. right? and they don't read all of them but they you know they 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 at least you know, look at the abstract and then they decide yeah. which ones are more relevant based on a lot of different measures and then they, they drill it down. And so he's written this amazing book that, you know, half the book is, you know, 500 pages of references and 500 pages of content that summarize, you know, there's 13 primary reasons why people die in the United States. Heart okay. disease, diabetes, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's kind of thing, um, different kinds of cancers, all of those. And for each one of them, he drills down the nutritional aspects of oh, it, right? And it's such a fabulous thing. And based on, and, and he looks then at different, you know, there's common themes. There's some nutrients that you can eat that are good for diabetes. They're good for cancer. They're, you know, good for heart disease. They're good for everything. And so he, the second half of the book, he kind of flips the lens and looks at those nutrients. And he came up with something called the daily dozen. The daily dozen is the 12 things you should eat every single day. Okay. And you should have basically, I think, three servings of, don't quote me on that, but like three servings of, you know, beans. Sure. Um, let's say two or three servings of whole grains. And, you know, as much as possible, like brown rice instead of white rice, whole, whole oats instead of just like cut out oats, but whatever, whole grains as much as you can. Um, you should have uh, a certain amount of spices every day because spices are full of phytonutrients and that's really a bonus for you living in mm. India because people use really good spices all the time. Yeah. Um, you should have at least one or two servings of cruciferous vegetables, you know, like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage kind of thing. And I don't know, let's say three other servings of other vegetables, two servings of fruit. Anyway, you get the idea. Yeah. And if you manage to eat all that in a day, you know, there's no room to eat meat, <laughs> you know? So it, you don't think of it as, as taking meat away. You think of all the good stuff you have to eat. And then, you know, if you want to have meat on the side or, you know, ice cream from, you know, cow's milk after, well, that's kind of your problem, but you know, I don't think you'll be hungry anymore. And so it's really about crowding out the meat until it becomes an irrelevant part of your meal. And then you're like, well, I might as well not eat it because really also your, your taste buds, your palate has adjusted to different texture, different mouthfeel, different taste experience, right? 
Um, so I think thinking of it as an addition and really, you know, I used to eat, you know, a couple of different kinds of fish, uh, beef, you know, pork, not very often, uh, chicken, certainly, and then a few types of grains, a couple types of vegetables. But now, since I've really, you know, drilled down into eating a completely vegan diet, I eat 50, 60 different things every week. You know, whereas previously I was eating maybe 15, 20. So I actually have a more diverse diet. So again, it's not about taking things away or, or stopping stuff. It's about making room for the actual beautiful diversity of the, the vegetable or the, the plant-based kingdom, right? Uh, which is such an amazing, an amazing experience. Yeah, now I think of it, it, it was the same for me. So although I was eating different dishes of chicken, but it was chicken nonetheless, you know, like yeah. someday it was fried chicken, someday it was butter chicken and stuff like that. Now, even if I'm eating a really monotonous kind of diet, it's still a lot more colorful and a lot more, you know, with more ingredients. And uh, I, so I totally. asked, I, I asked my uh, community that, uh, you know, like I'm uh, inviting uh, uh, a person who helps people, you know, uh, with vegan diets or vegan, you know, meal planning. So if you have any questions, let me know, you know, if, uh, if you know, I can ask you. So uh, one person asked, you know, uh, how do you start uh, or where do you start if you want to be a vegan, let's say? Oh, great question. Um, I think starting with why is a really helpful place to go. People come to vegan for different reasons. Some people mm. come strictly for health reasons. And I've heard somebody tell me like, I don't care about the animals. I just, I'm doing this for my health. I'm like, that's why I didn't <laughs> there care. you go. I exactly. didn't care. In start, but yeah. Yeah, and, and as you say, it's the start, right? You, you kind of, you, there's a singer, a songwriter from my hometown called Leonard Cohen, who has a song where he says, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in, right? Yeah. And so if your crack is health, well, that's fine, right? Focus on health, that's all good. Um, but why your health, you know, and, and drill it down, really understanding why is it that you wanna do that? Um, some people come for environmental reasons and that was me, right? Mm. I, came, I came to eating this way because I, and it's weird because, you know, I was raised on a farm. I really knew everything about how animals came from, like, there were cows, then we had pigs, you know, I, I knew all the things I had to know. Um, and I was not really ready to confront that. But once I became aware of the, you know, the amazing, unbelievable amount of pollution that is generated by, by what's called the CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, you know, in, the, in North America, and I'm sure it's quite similar in India now, although it was different 50 years ago, but now you can have 30,000 cows or cattle in one very small space. Chickens, you know, on the chicken farm, it's not even a farm, it's a factory. You know, they, they have 100,000 chickens or, you know, 7 million chickens a year that will go through there. That's a lot of chicken poop. Even if you don't care about the chickens, yeah. you know, it's a lot of dejections and, and stuff to deal with, right? And so the environmental aspect of it became really clear to me in addition to the greenhouse gas thing and climate change. And I was like, holy crap, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So that was my reason. And some people go vegan for the animals and they tend to have a very different 
entrance into this where like all of a sudden they're like oh my god I don't mm. I, I can't eat animals anymore right that's like and they they tend to be more overnighters you know one day they eat meat and then the next day it's over yeah. um and so depending on where you start from you might go differently but in and so what I'm going to say applies to people who come for environmental and health reasons we can talk just after about if you come to be vegan for the animals if you come for environmental or health reasons I really recommend to most people to do it progressively as mm -hmm. we were just talking about the addition method right start adding yeah. more different foods on your plate um, start eating more whole grains start experiencing experimenting with um, meat replacement but mostly try to explore different kinds of food that you haven't explored before. And in North America, most people yeah. eat the very non-creative three-part dinner, you know, meat, potatoes, or starch. You know, when I was growing up, rice was like the healthy option. <laughs> so, you know, just white rice. So potatoes, uh, meat, and maybe a light, like two pieces of broccoli on the side, and it will always be overcooked, right? So oh. three, three different things on your plate. And that's a really, if you try to make that vegan, it's kind of hard because like putting a slab on, of tofu on your plate or a pile of chickpeas, it's not super appealing, right? Yeah. If you look at the, the, the cuisines, the culinary heritage of the entire world, then you find a lot more interesting opportunities yeah. to, to bring in yeah. different kinds of, of plant-based foods, right? So Indian food is my favorite because it has a tradition of integrating a lot of legumes, you know, lots of beans, with different vegetables and lots of spices. And then you have like a curry that has all of this integrated in one dish. And mm. yeah, maybe you scoop it up on top of some, some rice. Um, and then you have a complete meal. And it doesn't remind you, if you're in North America, it doesn't remind you of your grandma's cooking. So you don't have, mm. you're not comparing in your head two things that really cannot be compared. And now, you know, I make some really good no, vegan chicken, which is based on gluten. So a lot of people who don't like gluten don't like that. I, I, I want to point it out that one point yeah. that it shouldn't remind you your previous dietary options because I never thought about yes. it. But to be honest, so even in India, there are different cuisines. Uh, yes, yes. I belong to North India, which is really, really heavy on butter and milk and curd and ghee. And when I became vegan, I, saw, I see myself eating a lot South Indian food. So South Indian cuisine actually has coconut milk in it. Totally. And not necessarily butter or cheese. Uh, interesting uh, <laughs> awareness. I didn't realize it before. But yeah, now because I'm when you're comparing, you know, hmm. people try to replace cheese, okay? Like paneer. There is nothing like cheese. Like, forget it. Like, cheese <laughs> is, is, is a biochemical package that has really powerful impact on people's you know mouth taste buds and brain like it's an explosion of fat and salt with that like fermented mm. age like umami dimension to it there's a lot of concentrated uh, biochemicals that come from the cows and that have been concentrated in the milk that you know make your brain go like woohoo <laughs> you know this is yeah. great i want more <laughs> it can't compete with that and that's definitely one thing when people say, oh, you know, I'm okay being vegetarian, but I can never be vegan because um, I love cheese too much. I was like, you know, you really have to not try to replace cheese. You have to maybe go, uh, if you want a challenge, you know, 
30 days with no cheese at all. And you learn more about dairy in the meantime. And next time you see cheese and you put it in your mouth, you're like, that's weird. You know, it's like greasy and, and like so rich and I can't deal with this anymore. Right. And even today, I don't like vegan cheese that much because I find it too rich. Like I've deprogrammed my brain out of it. So definitely trying to, yeah, like disorient your brain into discovering different kinds of food cultures, different kinds of recipes, you know. Yeah, like um, in in also, uh, you know, Mexican or Latin American cuisines also have a lot of rice and beans in different kinds Mm. of concoctions and lots of really great spices. So if you eat more of that, you, you don't miss steak necessarily. And if you want to have one steak per meal per week, you know, well, that's your problem kind of thing. Right. But make it a really good one. You know, don't, don't just have like junk meat at every meal, because that's, that's the problem that it's become in North America. The very, like meat is so cheap, right. You can have it at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It used to be, you know, in my grandmother's day, my, my grandmother had 17 children. Okay. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. Okay. They did not eat like filet mignon for dinner every night because that was like way too expensive and completely ridiculous. Right. But there would be a chunk of meat, usually pork, like lard in the soup and it would add flavor or whatever. Right. But now people have like almost a whole chicken for lunch. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling so, how, how to, abundant it's become. Yeah, to give you a reality check in India, milk, dairy specifically, and eggs, super cheap. Meat is a little expensive. Totally. But eggs and dairy are like super cheap. And, and that's only possible when you treat animals like cogs in a machine, right? And so I'm going to talk for a second about going vegan for the animals and, and what, yeah, you, sure. what you can do if you, if you do that, right? I think from a personal standpoint, it can be on the one hand easier and on the other hand, harder. And easier in the sense that when people go vegan for the animals, um, often their why is very strong, right? And it Mm. connects to the theme of mental health that we wanted to talk about and anxiety. And I think some people who, who go down that route often are very sensitive people and very empathetic. And maybe until that day, they had not been thinking about the animals. And then maybe they saw something, maybe they, um, they saw a documentary or they just heard a site comment and then they dug down and they yeah. found themselves in a rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, it's like you've pulled the curtain and it's like, whoa, I didn't know anything about that. And now that I know, yeah. I cannot unknow it. And I cannot stop feeling what it would be like from the point of view of mm-hmm. the animal to be in that yeah. situation. And there's no way they're going to eat animal after that, you know, it's, and it's so, it can be quite um, liberating. I think for some people, they experience it as something very violent, you know, a, a sudden realization that's, and then they look at everybody around them and they tell them, hey, do you know about this? You know, do you realize that baby cows are taken away from the mother cows and, and mm. nobody cares, right? I mean, the reality, most people just, are, oh, okay, you know, and then they keep eating the cheese kind of thing. And it makes them really upset, right? Because they, they feel that suffering on behalf, if you like, of the animals. And then uh, it, it can be really, really, really hard unless they, they find, you know, community and, and help and stuff. Um, so 
from a from a health perspective, and again, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm 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 looking at the studies yeah. that talk about ex-vegans. There's people that have studied, you know, how come some people were vegan and then they were not vegan anymore? And mm -hmm. often there's a health component to it where, you know, it was all good and then mm. they hit the wall and they started having health issues. They were feeling really weak, they whatever it is. Um, and then often reluctantly they have to start eating meat again. Right. And that's 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 heartbreaking. You know, if you're doing all yeah. this for the animals and then you know you find that your body is not able or so you think right to live that way and it's I, I can't tell those people don't don't eat any meat you, you know the, the go progressive you know just eat a little bit of meat over the next couple months and then you know some animal no they don't want to have any and I completely get that yeah. right but so I think that's where educating yourself even if you went at it for the animals becoming mm. educated about nutrition and making sure that you eat darn well is really the key to staying vegan in the long run, right? To staying healthy, to, to being, to being your best. And, you know, it's, it's fine to be floundering, you know, for a couple months and just eating, you know, I've traveled sometimes in places where all there was to eat that was vegan was plain pasta. And I had plain pasta for dinner and didn't die. Right. But as I was saying earlier, you can't do that for five years yeah. and not have severe problems in, in your life. So it's, it's important to, to think of yourself a little bit in that process of going vegan for the animals and, and, yeah. and make sure that you're there in five years and 10 years to keep up the good fight, right? And um, your body might be a little disoriented at first <laughs> because it's a sudden transition, right? Some people are like, some, I, I know um, in the medical field, there's clinics that are really specializing in helping people who are really, really horribly unhealthy. You know, they're in their forties, mm. they've had a number of heart attacks, you know, they're, they have like all the comorbidities, diabetes, all the problems. And they get to that clinic because it's kind of their last chance, right? And they're told, well, yeah. you gotta go plant-based. And in those cases, often what they do is that they actually go plant-based overnight and they go very, you know, not just, you know, vegan plant-based, but no oil, no salt. They cut mm, out, you know, all it. the grains yep. that are not whole grains, you know, it's a radically healthy kind of thing. And it's obviously very hard for the first week or two. And then right away, they feel better. You know, their health just like improves so fast that they're like, wait, I love this. You know, the, I'm not used to the food yet, but I'm happy to be able to go up the stairs <laughs> without having a heart attack. So, you know, there's, there's no uh, right way. Yeah. So I'm kind of reflecting back, you know, when I became a vegan and obviously, as I mentioned, it was overnight, you know, like suddenly I'm vegan the next day. Mm -hmm. And because I was focusing a lot on my health, I was eating a lot of, you know, like salads and fruits and, uh, you know, even when I'm when I was making a whole wheat pasta, it only had uh, veggies in it, like not yeah, any yeah, cheese yeah. or cream or anything, you know. And I remember feeling really, really light in myself. Mm -hmm. Like I felt lighter in my body. Totally, like it wasn't heavy anymore. So I remember that feeling, and I really lost that feeling for the first, you know. Like I remember having that feeling in the first two, three, four weeks. Now it's like a normal routine. This but now is you take it for granted. You take it for granted now that's just life, you know, once in a while we eat at home, practically, I don't know, 95% home, 
home cooked food, right? Um, especially especially now that we go out even less than we did before and we don't travel anything. Yeah. Um, but once in a while, I think I can't remember the last time it was, maybe it was my birthday or something. And I was like, there's this, um, there's a number of all vegan restaurants in my city that are quite good. Um, and there's this place that they have a, they have a few healthy things on the menu, but they're really good at making vegan burgers. And do you know what poutine is? Have you heard of that before? Poutine? So poutine is, a, look it up after we're done, but it's basically French fries with cheese curds on it. So it's kind of like a paneer kind of cheese and a gravy, like brown sauce on it. Got it. Got and they make a mighty vegan poutine, you know, because traditionally it would be cheese and it would be a, yeah. like a meat-based brown sauce, right? But they make a, a vegan poutine that's like really good. And I was like, you know what? It was my birthday or something. I was like, let's order in from meat on Main. And we had the burger and my husband was like, do you want fries or salad with your burgers? I was like, I'll have the poutine you know, on the side. Let's go nuts. And we ate the dinner. It was good. And after, you know, it was not five minutes after dinner, I was like, oh, man, you know, I was not feeling light. <laughs> you know, and I, I had not felt that way in, in years, right? Because, I mean, the food was, it was really good, but it was really greasy and all that, right? I understand, I understand. Um, and when you experience that, I, now I, re I realized I used to feel like that three, four, five times a week before. That was just, mm. you know, we'd have a meal and, you know, you have a meal and you're like, ooh, ooh, I've eaten, you know, my tummy's full. But like, I don't get that anymore. And that's actually a good thing. You know, some, I know some people, a lot of my clients, as I was mentioning, are women and they're really worried about their husbands going hungry. You know, my husband is like very athletic or he works a very physical job and he says he's always hungry. You know, he thinks the, you know, vegan food will never make him feel full. I understand that. But I think we've also become really kind of addicted to that feeling of feeling full. Yeah. Right? And it's actually, it's not a bad thing that sometimes your stomach is empty and you're feeling hungry, you know, or I, I think we have such a weird relationship now with that yeah, so, feeling uh, of fullness in our bodies. And in, in that book, Ikigai, so that, uh, you, have you read the book? So, How Not to Die, you mean? No, the book, oh, no, sorry. Ikigai. No, I haven't. So it's it's a book where two people researched a Japanese island, you know, and in that island, yeah, yeah. the average is you know like more than hundred years or hundred ten maybe. I don't, I don't remember the exact figure, but like really people die really. long time ago. Yeah, no, no, like right now, uh, the oh, average okay. average age of people in that. Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. Sorry, I follow you now. Yeah, so you know, like when people die, you know, usually more than it's a blue live, zone. So they live for more than hundred years, and one factor they mention that you know how. Uh, so they studied, you know, like what are they doing right or what are they doing wrong, stuff like that. And one of the things was they never eat more than eighty percent of their house. Yeah. And That's that great. was probably one of the things that my uh, nutritionist, when I first, you know, like started working on my diet and stuff taught me that never eat how much you want to eat. Like always eat a little less than that. And if you feel hungry, eat more, but if don't, like it's better to eat 80%. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to, uh, you know, like uh, shift to that conversation where I just asked you, you know, like let's talk about this one stuff before this interview that, so I have, 
i have personally experienced this but i still don't know how to put it in words that being vegan <laughs> will help you be more compassionate empathetic and it will just help you become a little less negative so mm-hmm. i became vegan just because i was curious to explore what will happen if i do this like there was no you know like vegan police you know on on the top of my head that you know do this do this stuff like that i would have easily become non vegetarian again it it was a yeah. totally personal project and i'm really amazed by the results that i have received so far and then again because i have a history of you know like binge eating disorder i still eat a lot of junk food a lot of time it's, it's you know like my comfort zone although i'm you know like aware about it i'm okay with it you know if for few days i eat it and stuff like that so i understand that even being vegan you can be totally unhealthy <laughs> i have gained weight since i became vegan some happy <laughs> weight some you know more fat but in the wholeness of myself i feel a lot a lot lighter if i have to define a few words lighter i'm not heavy in myself a lot lighter mm-hmm. number 2 i feel a lot more kind and compassionate in myself and these are the uh, you know characteristics kind compassion kindness compassion empathy these are the uh, emotions or characteristics that i feel we need for our mental health wellness or mental wellness so i kind of want to start putting it out there you know again i haven't done it yet but i have the more we are having this conversation the more comfortable i'm feeling in that that if you want to work on your mental health try becoming vegan for maybe one week what do you think um, what do you think is the explanation for that feeling so you for have? me it is actually spiritual for me it is spiritual that uh, and i kind of agree to it that when you're you know like cutting down the plants and stuff like that they don't have that pain sensor so they're not feeling the pain exactly you know when you're eating them oh yeah once they're once they're dead yeah oh the plants you mean yeah i'm not plants, worried about plants yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm not worried about plants <laughs> when when we are uh, you know so basically considering where the food is coming from that that's what i feel my reason is why i think where i'm connecting the dots when i'm eating a plant based food it doesn't have any vibe where it is you know having any pain or any uh, suffering in it mm-hmm. but when i'm uh, having some dairy or some meat it it probably didn't uh, end up really peaceful on my plate <laughs> it's unlikely yes unlikely so uh, yeah it's the suffering is em- embedded in the product the pro it's what you're eating is the product of suffering yeah i mean there's yeah so that that's Definitely. kind of my spiritual reason that you know like this is the first preference i want then again i'm like really selfish in it like if my doctor tells me that you have to eat chicken for 3 months let's say i'm totally fine with it the mm-hmm. minute he tells me i'm going to go for kfc don't care about that but then again i'm here for as long as i can be and then again you know like this is my reason that so i i so uh, this this actress natalie portman uh, she mentioned that every time i have uh, food on my plate I, i don't remember the exact words i have shared it like earlier like three times i remember myself during the day three or five times that 
I'm not hurting anyone when I'm reading this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, that, that's probably um, my reason. My um, my husband wasn't on board at the beginning with this whole vegan thing. Uh, I mentioned that I came at it for environmental reasons. So for a couple of years, I was cooking vegan at home. But when I was outside the home, I would eat vegetarian food. And if if I was at someone else's house, I would take the meat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, so my husband was OK with that, you know, more vegetables, more beans, things like that. That was fine. Um, and it took him a little while, but I think it was around 2018 that he decided and for him coming more from health reasons he decided that he would be fully plant-based and he he doesn't identify as vegan like he don't he doesn't tell anyone i'm vegan kind of thing um but he did mention a number of times this this feeling of a greater peace of mind like he Mm. feels that it gives him a sense of purpose when he eats to, to be eating, to, to not, and it, I don't like this idea that in my life there's things I'm not doing that give me purpose, but it's because it's so such, it's so common, commonplace, everybody mainstream, everybody eats meat pretty much in the, you know, current world. In India, it's a bit different, but, you know, mo- most over the world, most people want more meat, more meat, more meat, right? Interestingly, in India, the, the uh, population of non-vegetarians is higher than the population of vegetarians yeah it's, <laughs> things are moving anyway but so my husband was saying you know i feel more a greater sense of purpose and a little bit more like peace and it's you know i think it was about eight at least eight years ago and probably 10 years ago we were watching a documentary or something mm. and i i mentioned i was raised on a farm and in the documentary or the movie or something Somebody killed a wild animal. It must have been like a caribou or a deer or mm-hmm. something like that and for, for hunting, you know, for eating. Sure. And my husband made a comment about how not nice it was to hunt animals for food, right? And I looked at him and I was like, you know, at least the animal had a chance at living their life and, you know, roaming around and put, you know, had a chance to run away. Whereas the chicken that you had for dinner, you know, was really in a life of slavery and then, you know, brutal existence and then, you know, killed for food. And my husband looked at me like, yeah, but that's like, it's chicken. It's not a deer, <laughs> you know? And, and he really, he was quite upset by the comparison. And for me, I was like, yeah, no, that's normal. That's fine. You eat chicken or you, you hunt, you know, I mean, you should, you should hunt for fun sure. necessarily, but really it's, you know, from a moral perspective, if you're going to eat meat and just a little bit of it, you know, maybe it's more comfortable with you having hunted it. And that was again, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and that conversation stayed with me and I reminded him of that not long ago. And I think now because he came at this for health, that was his first perspective. He wanted to be healthier and mm. he was convinced by all the medical evidence. But again, once there's a crack in something, yeah. you know, you can wedge it open and more open and more open. And are you a spiritual person? Yeah, that's it. a friend of mine recently asked me, are you religious? And I said, I'm more practicing than religious. <laughs> you know, I, I'm more no, of a, no. a practice. Pract- I practice more than I believe. Um, I, I, um, so, uh, I don't reading... know. Kind of thing, you know? <laughs> it's okay. Let, let, let's discuss and figure out. So uh, I'm reading this one book, uh, Judgment Detox 
by Gabriel Bernstein. She's a spiritual teacher. Oh yeah. And what she mentions is, so this is kind of a judgment only. You know, like we think we are better than them. And by them, you can mean any person or anything. any species or any anything. You know, any community. And the basis of that judgment, and I think it it kind of relates a lot to veganism that we think you know some species are better than other. Like my dog is a lot better than chicken. You know the the common yeah. argument about it, and the basic uh, premise of that judgment is because uh, we are kind of moving into separation. Like we feel separated from the source that you know both of us come from the same element or stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of spiritual in nature that both of us have the same source. And if I feel that I'm better than you, it's it, probably I'm judging you, and it's harmful both ways and stuff like that. And it hurts you as much as it hurts me, but you don't okay. notice it. Um, you don't notice it yet, maybe. Um, but that, I, as I mentioned, you know, like I wouldn't have uh, noticed all these changes. I wouldn't be here if it weren't up to that. You know, like being curious, like what would happen if I become vegan. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the what you mentioned, the unity. And um, I think it's definitely a part of it, but uh, right off the bat, if you eat less meat and less dairy and less eggs, you're eating more of something else. Yes. And that something else has a lot more nutrients to it than what yeah. you've left off your plate. And just that, without getting into any form of spirituality, I think will make people feel better. I think it makes brains feel better, you know, work better. It makes your your blood circulation system work more efficiently you get more oxygen in 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 your brain and your heart and in your whole body and i think there clearly would be a part of us that feels better mentally mm. um yeah. because we and i apologize to people who eat meat we don't have rotting carcasses inside our bodies right? yeah, yeah i mean it's it's gross when you think about it but that's what it is right i mean meat goes bad because it's decaying flesh right? i don't remember who said it but some celebrity said it that i rather not have cemetery in my stomach absolutely i'd rather grow a garden right and actually a lot of plants um depend on an animal eating them to as part of their distribution and reproduction system. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, if anybody is worried about the feelings of plants, and I'm not one of those people, they have to realize that before you have one kilo of, of beef on your plate, you have to feed an animal upward of 10 or more kilos of plants. Mm. So a lot more plants and their feelings suffer if you're eating animals, then if you're eating the plants straight up, right? So no, I'm, you know, whenever somebody tells me that, I'm like, you've clearly not thought about this problem through, you know, because we we grow most of the agriculture in the world goes toward feeding the animals. Yeah. So you know, if you're it. worried about the feelings of plants, you should stop eating animals. <laughs> you know, because the animals <laughs> are terrible at eating the plants. Um, what happens so, to so, the food chain around this? So. Like, oh, the food domesticated animals, the domesticated animals are destroying the planet because we have so many of them that they're sometimes I hear somebody says, oh, you know, but there would not be cows. You know, what about biodiversity if we're not raising cows? 
we're going to have less biodiversity. And I'm actually having cows is killing all the other species. Mm. And again, it's a matter of it, the, the problem is the scale, you know, and I, I'm not arguing against uh, Inu people in Greenland that mm. may be eating seals for survival. Okay, that's yeah. not what yeah. I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about people in a semi-urbanized and urbanized environment that rely on meat from the grocery store or even from the farmer's market. Those animals are raised by the tens of thousands in confined environments and it all relies on monoculture of corn and you know soy, alfalfa, whatever. And so basically we're strip mining the earth of its nutrients to grow all of these grains to feed it to the animals. And we have to use more and more and more space for these monoculture monocrops that get rid of all the life, you know, all the bacteria and cool, interesting bugs that live in, underground. You know, if you look at what's happening in, the, in, in Brazil and they're shaving off the Amazon forests, why? You know, for grazing cattle and growing soy. Yeah. And it's not soy to make tofu, okay? It's soy to, to feed to the animals. And so all the amazing biodiversity that was there is, is replaced by single species of animals and their, you know, everything else is being eradicated. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, like my question was, uh, what does, what happens to the food chain? Because that's the one argument that I've seen online that, you know, like you're messaging up with the food chain. So that, that's the thing that uh, I think we're destroying the food chain by eating so many animals. Right? Because in the history of, of humans to this day, you know, maybe at most humans were eating, I'm just drawing these figures for ballpark, okay? Uh, just approximately 10 to at the most like 50 kilos of meat per year. And again, except like some places like the Great North where all they have to eat is animals, okay? There's no green that grows yeah. there, but you know, the vast majority of the world people are eating like 10 to 50 kilos of animals, of, of flesh, right, per year. Today, in North America, the average person is eating 150 kilos of meat mm. per year. And there's a lot more people than yeah. there were, you know, even 200 years ago. You know, we've yeah. multiplied yeah. our population by 10 or something like that, right? So that's a lot of meat. That's enormous amounts yeah. of animals, right? And that's how we've destroyed the, 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 the natural food chain, you know, and, and we've, we're destroying our bodies, but we're also destroying everything about how the, the world was, was organized before we basically, that, that humans multiply, I don't have a problem with really, you know, that, that there's a lot of humans, the, that's, that's one thing, but that we, we eat, the most inefficient way possible. That's where there's problem. And that's, you know, there's, there's even an, there's an engineer called Backlab Smill, who's an energy guy. You know, he's a really, you know, he's not a sentimental vegan. He doesn't really care about, you know, how animals are treated, but he looks at this yeah. and he's like, this is a terribly inefficient energy conversion chain. Mm. You know, you, you use all of those resources to, to you know, force feed humans massive amounts of, of food that's not even really nutritious for them like that doesn't really meet our biological needs it's it's completely inefficient right so the, the the real food chain is not what we're seeing today what we're seeing today is a complete industrialization 
that's not natural and, at all. Yeah, right? and I have to blame my my community because I belong to a community of marketers. I've been in this marketing for five years, <laughs> and I see how <laughs> marketers can turn around anything <laughs> given they have money and resources. And now that I'm seeing is, you know, like so specifically in India, even more than meat, milk. It's not in India. It's, it's everywhere that milk is a complete, uh, you know, miracle food. food, complete food. And yeah, and just that that just makes me wonder that there would have been some marketer like me who would have came up with this tagline that you know what, let's let's. publish it like this let's push it out we have to be compassionate to marketers okay <laughs> i can say that but let's extend our circle of of compassion right and remember what i told you earlier about the industrialization and all those farmers were, moving to the cities so I, i totally understand when you're nourished right so i totally understand when you know like your average household income is really low and like currently in india as i'm mentioning the eggs and milk are really cheap and you can have one full diet with one glass of you know milk and two eggs and stuff like that and they will give you a lot of nutrients not enough not every nutrient but then again a lot to but you won't die you know you you won't die like you know the survival instinct would be there but the people like me <laughs> who have resources and to be honest since i turned vegan i guess my uh, the amount i'm spending on food and stuff probably would have gone up maybe 10 to 20% and that yeah, also because, because vegetables I'm, are more expensive than a, a little bit but in meat and dairy also, right the dairy anyway dairy and eggs but then again yeah, yeah. also because even when i'm eating vegan food i'm really concerned about the quality of vegan food i'm eating so if yes, there's a veggie absolutely. at x or a veggie a little higher but it yeah. looks a lot fresh and stuff like that then again i don't believe 20% is a lot to pay when considering the kind of health benefits that i got let's not consider absolutely. about the spiritual and mental health but just the physical health like it's really easy for me to give, donate blood now No. I mean 200 years ago people put 100% of their money toward food. Right? I mean they didn't have money necessarily but their their labor yeah. and their effort and things you know they tried to have a little bit of a roof over their head and then it was all about eating, right? So today most people most families you know they spend I don't know 10% of their family budget maybe 20 sometimes 25% of their budget on food. but it's nowhere near you know cell phone plans are very expensive <laughs> you know and computers and things and we've lost perspective a little bit about what's what's really important you know in in our lives as you say the the unfortunate truth is that as you you mentioned you know if you're poor whether it's 100 years ago or or today animal products um have it's a bigger bang for your buck you know you can spend not much money and have a tasty meal with lots of calories right just to summarize it um part of the reason it doesn't have to be that way but part of the reason for that and I'm I'm a sociologist but I'm that's not my specialty uh, but worldwide there's some really really big companies um yes argil yeah. being an example 
Um, and there's certainly others that are multinational companies that have figured out how to make a lot of money from converting monocultures of grain, like corn and, and soy, into really more value-added products mm -hmm. like meat and dairy and eggs for very cheap. And when something is really cheap, well, somewhere someone is paying the cost of that. Yeah. And in the case of dairy and eggs, while well, the animals, obviously, I mean, I have such a laying hens, like chickens, have such awful lives. It, it like, just thinking about it makes me sick. Um, so they're definitely paying the price. And then all the people that live around those, those really large farming operations are, you know, dealing with the smells and the water pollution and the air you're pollution. You're also paying the price if you're eating animal products. Yeah, and long, long term, their health is paying the price, but you know, like short term, you got to eat, right? So between going hungry, like if, if I'm starved, you know, and there's absolutely nothing else to eat, yeah, maybe I'll eat an egg, right? If there's zero to eat for me today, tomorrow, and the next day, yeah, maybe I'll eat an egg, right? Um, but that's, there's, there's like macro high level international economic circumstances that have taken us to this point it doesn't have to be that way but our governments so, for lots yeah, of reasons you, have made the decision to allow that right so the point I was because making, it made sense at the at beginning but we I need a paradigm change yeah so right now as i mentioned you know like it took me probably i'm i'm just guessing it here like let's say around figure it uh i'm spending 20 percent more money now being a vegan on my food mm -hmm. It basically means that if I was spending, let's say, round figure, $100 or $500 earlier before vegan, before I was vegan, I'm spending $560 or how much is yeah. it? Not, not $600. So instead of $500, I'm spending $600 a month. Yeah. It's not really too much. Yeah, it's in the grand scheme of things. I mean, either you pay now or you pay later with your health. But even right? now, like, it, it's not too much for majority of population. That's what I'm asking. Oh, you know, that's yeah. the thing. For some people, it might be a lot, but for majority, it's definitely not a lot. Yeah, and if I may compare, and I, I know you like, um, that's a, I mean, it's there's a time in my life when I didn't eat very much at home uh, also, but you know, I compare it also to cooking, right? And cooking really good food at home it takes a little bit of time, right? Um, it takes more time to cook brown rice than to cook white white rice, right? It, yeah. cooks, it takes more time to chop your vegetables and make a stir fry with tofu or beans, edamame, whatever, and, and, and nice noodles than it would take to get something, <laughs> you know, ready-made, okay? Yeah. But there's a chance that the time you're saving today you're going to have to spend it at the end of the line because you're going to die earlier or because you're going to have to go to all those doctor appointments and you know getting treated for whatever disease you have you're going to be in a hospital for a little while after having a heart attack or whatever and i'm not blaming anybody i want to be very clear that there's life circumstances yes and the way our society is organized that goes all against eating in a healthier way and, and slowing down. And that's another aspect of mental health that I, I, when I was thinking about this interview, I was like, what is the one thing I really want people to know? And we're an hour yeah. into it and I'm going to say it. <laughs> it's um, slowing down 
and making time to make really good food is really important. And it can really have, it's not so much just the food that you're eating that makes you feel better. It's that you've taken, cooking is a form of self-care, right? And you're taking care of yourself yeah. and you're taking care of your loved ones. And you've maybe said no to a bunch of different social obligations so that you could be in the kitchen cooking, right? And there's, having said no to those things, you mentioned minimalism at the beginning, you know, it's, what do we say yes to? And what do we say no to? And how do we make those choices? And we're not always making the smartest choices <laughs> to how we use our time. And yeah. I don't know very many people who don't spend a little bit more time than they should, like scrolling on social media or, you know, just watching one more show on Netflix or whatever it is. And yeah, maybe just a little bit of that time, like 20 minutes could be redirected to, to cooking food for themselves. And, and regardless of what the food is, um, it's most likely going to be from a bio biological perspective and from a spiritual perspective it's likely going to be better than whatever yeah. they can get from outside interesting interesting topic because i i am going through something similar so uh remember when i mentioned that when i turned vegan because you know like i wanted to work on my health stuff so i started cooking a little bit of stuff like you know uh just not cooking basically but spending some time in kitchen like you know having salad or having mm -hmm. food and you know like just just like basic pasta let's say yeah relating uh, to the food yes yes yeah uh a, a year after that amazing it, it always happens in april so last year april <laughs> <laughs> uh there was lockdown in the country and we didn't have the cook that used to come to our home and cook for us mm -hmm. uh, just, just for a fact uh having a cook in india is really affordable yeah yeah like like probably 20 25 dollars a month not a big deal so uh, plus you get to choose what ingredients you have and it's healthy and stuff like that so we had to cook and because i knew a little basics of cooking like how to chop and cut and stuff so last year exactly like 12 months ago i started cooking for one and a half month i cooked and i felt really good doing that and oh, it's kind of and it, it's kind of my in, in my wish list now that uh, you know like <laughs> i want to buy an oven and start baking too let's see when it happens so uh, it's like empowering it gives you power over your own life totally and what happened uh, like a month ago i was going through a little rough time and i as i mentioned like you know junk food is kind of a comfort zone for me and so i gave myself some permission that it's okay if i eat outside totally fine i'll get back again and just like a week ago i started cooking again there you go and i could even right now i could hire a cook but my point of view was if i spend some time in cooking it will help me detox from this screen because i work online everything is online so you know let me reduce my screen time oh yeah totally secondly let's see how it goes like I can hire a cook anytime, but let me be curious and see what will happen if I do it intentionally. And, you know, like, again, if I cook just once a day and see what can I do, like even a, uh, like a multigrain bed with peanut butter is a really great food option. Why not? <laughs> let me try yeah, that. Just, 
and it's an experiment and if it doesn't work for you then and at sometimes in in people's lives i can understand that they're not in a place where they can spend that time yeah. cooking and and that's okay right um i have a couple of friends who have really you know high positions in government kind of thing and you know they travel a lot or they have you know really high stakes meetings and things and maybe their time is better spent yeah um at least you know in, in changing the world at that level than cooking their food you know we could argue about that but i i totally get it right um, i've been there but again for most people we I've spend been there some of our time doing frivolous things right so before i this lockdown happened i was actually uh, working a full-time job for nine hours then there was travel on top of it like one and a half hours then i was going freelancing there was really not any time for me to cook right but now but then I if you pay paper, somebody 30 bucks yeah. a month let's say for for being your cook right yeah um what if you worked a little less right and of course you're <laughs> earning more you yeah. know than than the cook most likely by doing some you know tech what, what job I, or marketing yeah uh, what i see is what if i don't look at it as a productive thing or a healthy thing to do but what if i look at it as a you know like i'm working out in a gym so it's kind of a workout for your mind Yeah. because yeah, it's, you know when you're doing it as in a spiritual light it's definitely you know um just like cleaning is a spiritual activity and you know in in modern life one thing i you know so previously before i decided to be a full-time vegan educator i was working in a university i was supporting research basic research of all kinds i was writing a lot mm-hmm. of grant applications and on a day-to-day basis my work was never done i would never ever get to the end of a task and even when it was over you never know you know was it good enough you know could it could be yeah. better if i'm washing dishes and just take washing dishes as an example here's my pile of dirty dishes here's the sink soapy water and i have you know my hands in the hot water and i can feel it and then i put the clean dishes there and then i dry them and i put them away and i'm done and that's such a there's not many things in modern life that are so clear cut you know dirty process clean and it's so satisfying right and it's a little thing but it's a process that you can be into and most people hate doing dishes right but in my life there's not many things that are that i i really get that true feeling i've done enough you know i leave the kitchen it's all clean of course i have kids so 10 minutes later yeah. <laughs> the kitchen's dirty right but for those 10 precious minutes it was beautiful and clean and that's really cooking is the same right when you when you cook something and you have you eat the food you've cooked and you if you're really mindful and present in the moment you can appreciate and be grateful for yourself for doing that for for the work that's gone into making the food available to you and you know where it's from and 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 there's a great satisfaction in there so one thing that i really feel different when i'm you know when i'm cooking or you know when i'm just eating the homemade food even if a cook is cooking that for me it's just that the ingredients that i'm choosing those ingredients and i'm going to make sure that even if i'm spending like a 5% extra in it i'm choosing the best products available absolutely and it's it's hard because uh, you don't always know 
And um, one example that's uh, very important right now in uh, around here, I don't know if it was released in India, but there's a, a movie, a documentary movie called Seaspiracy, and it's a terrible name. It, it came, uh, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, like about the fishing industry, right, yeah. And um, it's caused a lot of controversy, and that's great because people were not talking about fishing yeah. for many years, and, and you know, it was about time that people started talking about it publicly because there's lots of really unpleasant things about fishing. And some people were arguing, oh, but I buy my fish from, you know, this little fishmonger shop and I only yeah. buy this kind of fish. And I was like, how do you know? Because there's a, a couple of um, genetic scientists here in Canada that have gone to the grocery store and at different stores and they, they took samples of different kinds of fish and they took them to the lab and they analyzed is the fish that is you know under the microscope based on a genetic you know um, profile mm. of them the fish that was written it was supposed to be based on the label and i think it was mm. like 60 or 70 percent of the fish were mislabeled and it's not necessarily the grocer's fault it's you know yeah. they buy whatever they're told is supposed to be but who knows you know and how many people can really tell the difference between um, farmed salmon and wild salmon and especially yeah. since farmed salmon is manipulated in a way to look like wild salmon because wild salmon sells for more money right and the only way to know is to do genetic analysis of it and you know nobody has that in their kitchen so people think they know but you know how much do we know and that's that's the challenge of the global food system it's wonderful at bringing broccoli you know to my grocery store even though it doesn't grow here necessarily mm. in february uh, but the flip side is that I don't really know how that broccoli was grown. I don't know who harvested it. A lot of the food industry relies, um, if it doesn't rely on animals, well, it also relies on, on labor from people working in really difficult yeah. situations. Um, and the, the tomato industry is known to be a really, really harsh place for people to work. Um, and I'm not comfortable with that either. <laughs> and, and how can we... Yeah how can we make choices that are better from a consumer perspective? It's, it's very challenging. I don't have any answers for that. Yeah, I haven't really uh, figured out the logistics yet, but I do want to have like, you know, after cooking, you cooking or baking and stuff, gardening is probably going to be one of yeah. my hobbies that I want to try. It's, it's, I'm not there yet, you know, like resource wise and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I definitely see myself doing some of that. You know, you may or may not be able to grow enough to feed yourself, but at least when you've tried growing even just a little bit of food, it gives you a really better yeah, so feel for what it takes I, for the food to yeah. get there. So my mom has a few plants, you know, like at, uh, at our home, and uh, one of them is lemons, and they're really nice. juicy. And then again, they grow like one or two in some weeks and months and stuff like that. It, it just that you know not for the survival of food but you know just for yeah. the satisfaction of having that one lemon absolutely yeah don't don't count on it to nourish you year round because <laughs> um, it does take a little bit more space and it's it is inefficient if so anybody, I'm some, Oprah, uh, yeah so oprah mentioned in one of her interviews that uh, so <laughs> the interviewer did you know about this instance the interviewer asked no, no. her that what is something that you do that most of the normal public and she said, you know what, I always, so I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, I'm not sure about the yeah, yeah, yeah. details, 
so she said i always bring my oranges when i'm traveling because the oranges at airport are really costly and so then he asked you know like where do you buy your oranges and she said i i just grow in my garden <laughs> so i left your opera you cannot count on obviously you know like there are so many logistics goes behind and so much labor and all that stuff but then yeah. again uh like i mentioned uh what i'm planning to do like right now i have the liberty and luxury to take a step back and do the cooking like i'm okay yeah. to spend one hour every day but as i grow i know that i might not be doing it as a necessary thing that i need to do you know yeah. for my survival so i rather have a cook but you know like have the liberty or uh have a cook plus have the option to cook as and when i want absolutely so uh as we were discussing about the mental health implications of turning vegan or you know starting changing your food or diet uh are there some people who also suffer from you know like because of this because i anticipate there must be some people yeah you know there there was a study that came out and it was a big thing in the newspapers here maybe a couple of years ago that said that uh vegetarians and maybe vegans i can't remember if they divided them had lesser mental health than the rest of the population and then there was another okay. study that said the opposite and i've looked into that a little bit and basically both studies were really not good studies uh, so <laughs> uh, i think you know i i think it's not a topic that we understand very well Um, mm-hmm. but there's something i think is important for people to realize um and there's um there's a psychologist in australia that specializes in this specific very precise thing which is um the dystopia that um many vegans new vegans feel or are long time vegan and by that i mean like a, a, a deep feeling of disillusion and bitterness about humanity and i think that's something mm. that we need to to talk about just for a moment um as i i was mentioning you know pe- people that go vegan for health or for the environment maybe coming in it from a certain perspective uh and 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 there's people who who go vegan for the animals or they are already eating vegan kind of thing and then they become more interested in in animal welfare and animal rights yeah and um there's a few struggles there as i was mentioning earlier you know once you've moved the curtain to the side and you see what's on the other side first of all it's it's really awful i have a friend here who was an undercover investigator that means he worked in a farm mm. for the purpose of taking pictures of what was happening in there and then mm-hmm. bringing those pictures to the public so people knew what was happening inside the farm and it was a farm with really just normal practices but it's 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 really awful and um there's deep struggles there when you see the darkest side of humanity and the cruelty that people are capable of of doing and they're normal people they're not i'm not saying that farmers are bad people or people that work on farms and animal production but they just don't even think about it you know it's just the normal thing you were mentioning um, judgment earlier yeah. there's a word called speciesism right seeing other species as lesser than, than your own and different you know ranking the species but they they it's so part of their way of seeing the world that they don't even think about it they're they're maybe not bad people but they're doing terrible things 
So having that awareness can be very, very challenging for some people. And also this idea that, you know, now I have that knowledge, so I'm doing something about it and I'm not eating animals anymore, for example. Yeah. So I'm going to tell that to all my friends and all my family, and I'm going to yeah. let them know. So they also have the knowledge. And so they can also do the same as me and stop eating animals. And so often people who have been vegan for a short term, they start talking about it to everybody and they can't stop. And everybody is like, you know, you're weird, you know, stop that. Like, yeah, I don't want to know. Like, why you tell me this? Yeah, sure. You know, so what? And, and all of a sudden you're, you, all the people you love, you see from a different angle, right? And you're, it can be, it, it, it can be very hard to think of those people you love suddenly as like, what, they don't care. And so there's a, a big break there that can happen. And it can also be socially isolating. I know some people who, after they went vegan, um, they, they would not go visit their family anymore because their families couldn't understand what was going on. They were trying, for example, to feed, I don't know, chicken nuggets or something to their kids. And it created all these conflicts and it was very difficult. Um, and it's a side, it, over the years, some people I know that have been animal activists for many, many years uh, that mm -hmm. are, um, there's these uh, protests that some people do, they actually stand outside the slaughterhouse. So there's, uh, you know, the, the trucks come in from the farms that can be quite yeah. far away. They bring in the animals. And so those people are standing outside the processing plant. And sometimes they give water to the animals or they will just, you know, pet their noses before they go in. And it's, you know, your friends are dying, you know, every day you, you make, it's like seeing all those dogs, for example, imagine them being dogs, right? Then you pet all the dogs and then they go and they come out as, you know, meat in a little package. So there's another aspect of, of veganism that is, is really challenging. And I want, um, I want people who encounter that to make sure that they get the support they need. And there's support groups uh, all over the internet. Uh, I was mentioning this uh, psychologist from Australia called Ash Nayati, uh, who helps people deal with that. Uh, I think it's becoming increasingly known within the community that it can happen to you. But if you're, if you're by yourself, you're not an activist or anything, you just, you know, stop eating meat and your family yeah. are, and you, you're having all these conflicts. You have to know that you're not alone and that yeah. there's a lot of humans just like you who have seen on the other side of the, of the curtain, they, they, and, and they also care and they're also, um, trying to make the world a better place you're not you know it's not a lost cause um, i think it's it's important to acknowledge that that's a yeah that's, so that's a risk but it's something that I we can do about it i definitely want to take a moment to you know acknowledge this privilege that i had because when i turned vegan so vegetarianism being a vegetarian is really acceptable in india it's, you know mm -hmm. really normal like nobody will point out to you if you turned a vegetarian someday, obviously people will make mock you and stuff like that, just, you know, in terms of comedy and stuff like that, but people like being a vegetarian is okay. You yes. Know, it, it's normalized. Uh, when I turned vegan, a really close aunt of mine uh, is kind of a naturopathy practitioner. What, what does that mean is, so it's kind of an alternate medicine in India. Mm -hmm. And they uh, like they really focus on your food and diet and yes, they yes. include more natural products in it that way. So 
it's essentially vegan so she was vegan like she turned vegan like a few years ago only so you know like she used to not have dairy in her household or really really you know less amount of dairy mm-hmm. i had that privilege of not explaining too much like you know what am i doing and stuff like that or Absolutely. how am i going to survive if i don't consume milk because it's actually a really good question in india really common question how are you surviving oh, yeah. if you're not consuming milk so i feel it's important that we you know acknowledge our privileges and this this has been a privilege of mine so i didn't really i didn't suffer mentally you know in my family mm-hmm. and stuff around and people did not ask me really harmful questions that was a privilege yeah. you know i i i don't want to say it will happen to you but maybe it will later too you know i think it's something to be aware of that as time goes by um there's some people that just you know they used to be comfortable with it and then eventually it wears on them um to to be the one thing i personally don't mind being the black sheep you know being the one mm. weird person in an environment yeah, yeah, yeah. some people are really sensitive to that right and my husband goes like he just wants to hide when we're at a restaurant <laughs> and the server comes and it's not like an obviously vegan restaurant and it's not clear you know is this or can you change this dish and make it for me without like the cheese or can you just make sure that there's no milk or whatever and he just goes you know hides under the table because he doesn't like making people um uncomfortable or uh, being mm. an inconvenience sticking out like a sore thumb you know and um i think for some people it's it's really over the years it can it can be really a big challenge so just something to be aware of i think in general yeah. there's more benefits um than downsides but again it's important to take good care of ourselves and to have that awareness to build the space um you know again cooking is self care and making sure that sharing sharing good vegan food it's also you know it's also frustrating if you're like a mom like me i know a lot of other women who have decided you know i think i i want to be vegan and then they start making vegan food and their kids are like yuck you know and that's like <laughs> what do you do with that you know and and um then or being in a situation where somebody who is vegan but feels like they have to cook meat for other people and yeah. it's really it, it they can feel really conflicted about it so it's 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 complicated um i well, don't think it, it's a one way street yeah yeah a part of reason why i feel i haven't encountered that yet is because i haven't been truly a voice or an activist about it so far mm mm-hmm. like absolutely I'm yeah really, so i'm really kind of you know intense about when people mock or roast others online when they are being you know uh, unkind to others so i would leave a lot of comments or have a lot of conversation that why do you feel a need to you know like put up this unkind conversation to this or why yeah, did you totally. say this unkind thing to this so as much as i'm passionate about that form that why are you judging that person or you know that uh, those areas i haven't been that much passionate to talk about publicly about veganism yet mm-hmm. probably one of the reasons i'm still counting on those privileges <laughs> is because i haven't gone down that road maybe yeah yeah it's definitely that's something i thought about when i was naming my business and i i'm really not a good person at naming like business and products i don't have a marketing background i don't come up with like sweet sounding jingles um Milk is but a complete I really debated, food for you. <laughs> I really debated putting 
vegan in my business name. And some people around me were advising not to because they were saying, well, you know, there's a bunch of people who, you know, feel that the word, you know, vegan in North America, that it's definitely changing. Uh, But there's really my husband, when I first said I was going, okay, now I think I'm going to be vegan. He was like, you're going to like shave your head and do all sorts of weird things, right? I mean, the, or you're going to be protesting every every weekend. And he was very uncomfortable with that idea that I would be a radical, right? Mm. Anyway, um, there's nothing wrong with being a radical in my opinion, but that's a different topic. Um, but definitely, yeah, having, uh, when when you go out there and you identify yourself and if you tell anybody, well, I think it's not, you know, when you tell people the truth about where eggs come from, for example, most people really don't like that idea. And most people don't want to think of themselves as bad people. So if you share that with them, and then they're like, oh, so if I'm eating eggs, are you saying that I'm a bad person because it's my fault if they're doing this, right? Uh, Most people don't react really well to that. And maybe in the long run, they will think about it and then it will percolate. You know, there's a crack and everything that light will get in. But at first, they might react quite aggressively or violently. Uh, I have friend. There's a type of activism that exists here that's called the cubes of truth, where a bunch of Mm -hmm. activists will will stand in a circle and they're all dressed in black with you know Jim Fox masks on, and they hold Mm -hmm. a tablet that's showing footage taken inside factory farms, or there's a big TV. Right. Got it. Got it. It's just showing, you know, whatever is happening inside a factory farm. And it's just standard practicing again, nothing weird, like nothing like especially violent, just the normal stuff. And people walk on the street and they stand and they look, right? And then they ask questions and they get into conversation. And sometimes people react really, really, really negatively. They just don't want to see that. They don't want to know that. And they want to keep living in their in ignorance. It's the same thing as being spiritual, I think, in such a way, you know, some people just want to think about complicated, messy stuff. Um, Hard. (laughs) Yes, yes. So uh, what is some other most common argument? So, okay, before we go there, uh, because we have discussed this and we kind of missed it out and really wanted to discuss this. What are really common deficiencies you see when people, you know, turn to veganism? One of them is B12. Yes, so B12 is important to talk about. And it's really the only really critical thing to talk about. Um, And even people who eat meat Mm. really should be supplementing their B12, especially in the later, you know, after 50 years old, everybody Mm -hmm. should be supplementing B12. um, Because once you start having damage done to your body from B12 deficiency, it's very, very, very hard to reverse it, if not irreversible. Um, so that's definitely oh. something. Um, I'll send you a link that you can put in the show notes if you want. Um, sure. That is, I think, the ultimate source of information about B12. But basically, everybody should be taking some oral, you know, B12. The other things, uh, it, it it depends how well you eat. And even then, I don't think a supplement can really do very much for you compared to eating the food in its whole package. So uh, the only other thing, especially for us living in the North in a place like Canada, we need to take vitamin D. And vitamin D uh, that's for sale in the stores usually is made 
here it's made from from sheep wool for some reason but there, it's possible okay. to to buy vitamin d that comes from plant sources so for us it's really important because we don't spend much time in the sun and even when we do go out in the sun the sun is not as bright as it would be closer to the equator um, so we do need to take vitamin d um usually it's also included in um in like plant milks and stuff that you buy but I personally just take a supplement. But the rest of the foods, really, it's better that we just eat a broad variety of foods as much as possible, as many of different things as possible and as whole as possible. And of course, it's fine to chop an onion. I'm not suggesting that you should eat an onion like an apple. Although my daughter, when she was 18 months, she did that. She grabbed an onion and she took a big bite and she was like, ew. Um, but, you know, eating as I was mentioning, the daily dozen. So yeah. every day, make sure to have some different legumes, beans. Every day, have some whole grains as whole as possible. Have some vegetables, have some fruit, have mushrooms. Mushrooms are awesome. They have lots of cool things in them. Spices, yeah. lots of different spices. Um, drink a lot of water. That's important. A lot of people get dehydrated. Um, so drinking lots of water, having some exercise. Um, and... That's about it. You know, cruciferous vegetables like cabbages. Um, and as again, you know, eating things that are colorful bring you more nutritional yeah. value than eating things that are white. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of common sense. I feel like silly saying those things, but in, in this age where we're trying to scientify everything, yeah. right? It's like grandma was right. Eat your vegetables, you know. Simplify it. So uh, my dietitian gave me like a really great recipe for, you know, like doing it on my own. Uh, oh, yeah. So she mentioned that, you know, like, in any every meal, just make sure that you're having protein, you're having healthy fats, you're having carbs, you are having some vegetables or pulses, essentially both of them, because you know, fiber. And yeah. just try to have them or uh, you know, like eat, do not fool yourself one hundred percent and uh, try Absolutely. to plan it before, you know, just really simplifying all those steps. Yeah. And uh, something I didn't mention in the daily dozen is nuts and seeds. Nuts and, and seeds, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, those are great. Uh, you know, eating uh, oil, for example, you know, there's a lot of vegans that are plant-based people that are completely against oil. Uh, I think if you're in an unhealthy body in, you know, later years and you're having problems, certainly you should cut back on oil entirely. Um, but for most people having like Small, small amounts of oil I don't think is a big problem. But if you're thinking about fats, it's better to get again fat from the whole plant. So not a bean that has been, you know, pressed so you get the oil, but eating olives or eating nuts and eating, you know, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, hemp seeds. Those are all amazing sources of, you know, nutrients that are, you know, little bombs waiting to blow up into a plant. Like this is when you think about it, it's so wonderful um and they're super nutritious and better sources of fat than you know oil straight up and uh interestingly so i uh, was having a lot of energy issues like my energies were really low january this year so like four five months ago and because i was working with a dietitian back then so she recommended me the vitamin d3 and i don't yeah, totally. I, I didn't check the source and i'm going to check it now and just by, you know, like, so it was uh, supposed to be, I guess, 60K IU. And it, I, I was supposed to take it once a week uh, for 12 right. weeks, I guess. And within the first three weeks or four weeks of taking it, I actually saw, uh, you know, my energy levels going up. And that kind of reminds me one, uh, 
kind of tip that I want to mention that I have one advice that my friend gave me that I didn't take yet is you know like get yourself tested like some blood test like in depth see what are your vitamin levels yeah. what are your you know where is your blood yeah i find that interesting personally i don't do it uh and the reason is that um if i if i'm feeling well and i get my levels tested you know i, I think there's a lot we don't understand and i again i don't i'm not against science, but I think there's a lot we don't yeah. understand about certain things. And we've set some values to be normal, mm. right? Um, and for example, iron is a good example where the, the results of iron tests don't necessarily reflect the right thing. And um, mm. there's a disease called hemochromatosis where people mm. pile on the iron. They don't, their bodies don't like, get rid of iron. And basically they Pardon? poison themselves. Right, um, okay. and it's quite common here. It's one in three hundred people or so has the the gene for the oh. disease, and it runs in my family. And so, you know, your iron looks really good on your test results, but actually, it's not good for you. And especially if you're you're getting uh, heme iron, the iron that comes from the blood of animals, as opposed to non-heme iron. Well, heme iron turns out to be possibly quite toxic to, to us and to our yeah. organs. And it, it can be like a, a contributor to cancer and lots of different problems. So I think, you know, if I feel bad, if I feel weak, if I feel like if I'm not myself, if I'm feeling tired, yeah, I'm going to get tested, right? And then I will mm. act on the results. Uh, and same thing for my kids, right? But if I'm feeling really good and really energetic, I don't know that there's great value in investigating individual nutrients mm -hmm. without having a really good big picture. And then another example in science is you can run a, a somebody's body through an MRI, you know, a, a magnetic resonance imaging machine. And if you look at them and they're super healthy and they're doing great, every single person you run through the MRI, you're going to find some little tumors, right? There's always little things in the body that look great, yeah. right? but it doesn't mean you should do anything about it, right? And maybe doing something about it would cause more problems. So I think we have to be really in tune with ourselves. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but you know, if you're taking your B12 and you're feeling good, if you're taking mm -hmm. B12 and you're not feeling good, some people have a gene that they don't process B12 properly. Then, mm -hmm. you know, you probably need to do something about it. You maybe need to get injections or I don't know what it is, right? But if you're, doing all the things that we know are really important yeah and you're feeling great i don't know uh, if it ain't do broke you... don't fix it how do you recommend you know uh, or how do you work with your clients getting so what i'm essentially understanding in my language whatever you mentioned is of course uh, you know like getting in touch with yourself you know and really you know like reflecting on how am i feeling and you know, instead of going with the test yeah. and stuff. Um, and again, I'm a sociologist, not, uh, you know, a doctor. So whatever your doctor is saying is probably a better idea to do than what I say. Uh, this is my experience as a mom, as a person who's doing her best to stay healthy, right? There's a few things we know are important in life, you know, eating well, sleeping, reducing, mm. you know, um, managing your stress and, um, getting exercise, you know, moving your body every day and um, being in a, in a community, you know, feeling loved, 
feeling like you belong and feeling like you love other people. If you've got those things nailed and you're feeling poorly, you know, then definitely you need to get help, right? But if you're feeling yeah. really tired and you're sleeping six hours a night or five hours a night or whatever, then, you know, first thing to do for me is to, you know, work on your sleep. Mm. Or if, you know, you have obvious anxiety issues, I know it's tempting to look for like nutritional reasons for it because those are things that we can grasp from a more like scientific kind of perspective. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. there's a number in black and white on the paper. I can do something mm. about that number, but it doesn't mean you'll do something about feeling bad about your anxiety. So I think, you know, the, the really common sense things, eating, sleeping, stress management, exercise and community are really the, and if, you know, take care of those five things first and, and then that's the next step, right? But you can't be aware of, you can't develop awareness if you're not managing your stress, for example, because you're always in, you know, fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And that's more of something that you know a lot more about than I do. Um, but I think I find it difficult. I think as a society, we've just gone to the doc and my husband's a doctor for full disclosure. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not against <laughs> doctors. I love doctors. They're great. You know, I, I'm glad that we have medicine. I'm so glad that we have antibiotics. I'm glad we have yeah. vaccines, you know, if, if, you know, I bre break my arm, I'm really glad there's a surgeon to help me. Right. Yeah. But I think we've just made it a habit to just go to the doctor yeah. for whatever it is. And doctors are trained in a very narrow way. As you know, in history, maybe we would have gone to the shaman or to the priest or somebody else, but now we go to the doctor if something's wrong with us. But you know, a lot of doctors, you know, they have the tools that they have, but they may not be able to help you how to sleep, or they may not be able to help you with your anxiety other than maybe giving yeah. you some antidepressants or whatnot. So when, when there's a, an acute crisis, in your life, you know, if, you know, you're bleeding <laughs> or, you know, if you yeah. have this big mass sticking out of your body, yes, please go to a doctor. Right. But if, if your problems are sometimes the, the medicine is not the right place to get help. Um, Maybe not and, the first place. Yeah. And, or, or they're a part of the team, certainly. Uh, but, you know, they can help from a medical perspective. But there's so much else that's broken in our societies. You know, we've really yeah. haven't been treating ourselves really well as a species um, and repairing those things. Sometimes I, I, I like to fantasize about starting this anti-capitalistic medicine clinic, <laughs> you know, because we've by, by seeking always to go faster, to get more profit, to, you know, endless yeah. economic growth, we're, we're pursuing a lot of stuff that's not great for us right and it's not I, making people happier yeah so i have this one question that's a little unrelated to what we are discussing right now uh so you mentioned that book and it kind of the you know like caused some dots connected some dots mm -hmm. uh you mentioned that book uh, where the team of researchers you know uh, narrowed it down like how food are impacting to certain health issues and stuff like that so i'm kind of curious because i work with a lot of clients who have, uh, you know, who are working on their anxiety, not clinical anxiety per se, but non-clinical anxiety. And so what are the uh, like food aspects of it or nutritional aspects of it around anxiety? That's unfortunately not a topic that I know very much about. I'm okay. aware that 
So the, the website of that team is nutritionfacts.org, nutritionfacts.org. Okay. Um, and the person is Michael Greger. He's the public, uh, public health doctor who started that many years ago. And they make videos on like they, they publish like one or two videos every day. It's such an amazing oh. resource of really, and it's all about the science. Like he's not touchy feely one bit. Um, but they do have a number of videos recently that have connected to the theme of mental health, anxiety, and okay. things like that. And I have heard him say that he was hoping to, to write a book specifically on that. After How Not to Die, his mm. following book is called How Not to Diet. And it's about all the awful... Mm. I've heard the name of the book. How Not to Diet, yeah, which is really about, you know, weight loss and how not to do it, basically. And um, anyway, so that's one thing. Uh, but I've heard that he's considering uh, publishing a book on, on mental health because there is a lot of mm, yeah, of useful yeah. research there. But I, yeah, I'm not your person for that. Um, but again, no you problem. know, I think eating whole foods can never hurt, but it should be one part of the pie. Um, yeah. Connecting with other people, sleeping. You know. So one one thing that I have seen is uh, having some water really calms you down, calms your body. Having a glass of water. Having having some. Oh, glass of water. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. which reminds me that I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right there. Having a glass of water really calms you down. So then again, you know, depending on the your level of anxiety, you you cannot tell this to a person who's going through severe clinical anxiety or has a clinic disorder. But you then know, again, I'm, if you're nervous, you're going yeah. for an interview and having a glass of water is a really great thing to do. And, and breathing. And, you know, you were mentioning earlier, you know, when your blood flows better, and that's definitely something that happens when you increase your fiber um, and, and decrease your saturated fats, your, your brain thinks better. Right, and when your yeah. brain works better and gets more oxygenated and gets more hydrated, um, I know in running performance, when you you know for running racing, when you get dehydrated, your performance decreases by whatever ten percent. Right, so mm. I mean we have to take care of our cells. At the end of the day, there's nothing you know. We only have one body. Um, sure, the cells and, and the good news we have one body, but every cell in our body almost replaces itself multiple times during our lifetime you know we change yeah. the the compo and what's even more weird that i'm just starting to wrap my mind around is like our the bacteria in our like our biome in our body and the bacteria loves like a diversity of things and and they're part of us and it raises a lot of interesting questions about like who am i because <laughs> there's all these little other animals that live within me yeah but when we take care of ourselves and of that magnificent, you know, diversity, that magnificent being that we are, and we, you know, we can feel so much better, but really taking care of ourselves. And I don't mean that nothing else matters. I don't mean that we shouldn't try to take care of other people or that our jobs are not important. But going back sometimes to the basics, uh, I think it's yeah. something that we, we go over too quick. We spend too much time losing ourselves and I, I'm guilty. I have a, like, I have a thing for Facebook. I just love connecting with people on Facebook. Right. But then <laughs> I take a step back and I think, why am I doing this? Right. And maybe it's because I'm feeling lonely. Maybe it would be better yeah. to go for a walk with a neighbor or a friend mm -hmm. than to scroll on Facebook for another hour. You know, it's not my specialty one bit. Right. But you know, if I can, and if I can cook a meal and eat it with them, it's even better. 
it's getting even harder for the coming generations to be honest we are the you know the line between reality and internet is kind of fading <laughs> you know i was i was i'm a weird person who was raised on the internet when i was so you know you were a teenager 10 years ago i was a teenager 30 years ago and it was like oh gosh um but i was on the internet then um and i remember that people were like oh they're not real people that you're talking with I'm like yeah they're real they're just not here you know but yeah. they're real people and like you and i i mean we're talking on the internet right now and i I feel connected to you and that's just an awesome possibility that was not on the radar 50 years ago right and <laughs> there's such a potential there to use this tool and that's the internet for more connectivity between people and yeah. more compassion you know I can understand more how other people are living in the world um, but it's a matter of balance right I also need to understand how my neighbor lives yes. and and be compassionate and connected with them totally second that uh, so i understand that uh, you know uh, you have to go back to your kids who draw really great pictures in your background that you have yeah <laughs> but before we end this conversation uh, is there something that you think we would have missed talking about no i'm i'm glad that we talked about the the two sides of what it can mean yeah. for your mental health to, to be more plant-based and more vegan. Um, and I just hope people feel inspired after watching this maybe to, you know, hit the market and buy, buy ingredients, not buy things that have ingredients, but buy actual uh, ingredients. You know, if it has ingredients on it, well, don't buy it. You know, if you can't tell exactly what it is or what's in it from looking at it, then go buy something else. Right. And, and that they just cook the simplest possible meal for themselves. It doesn't have to be fancy. There's so many recipes on the internet. You know, you can even vegan recipes, which you would think you would reduce, you know, you can niching down, but there's so many recipes and all of those recipes have like beautiful pictures and you're looking at it and you're like, wow, well, I can't do this. You know, I don't have all the <laughs> ingredients. I don't, I can't, you know, I can't possibly cook something as beautiful as this. You don't need to you know, just some vegetables and some whole grains and some beans and you have yourself in with a sprinkle of nuts or seeds on top and you have yourself something absolutely wonderful. And, and don't let those, those recipes intimidate you into not doing what's possibly the most life-changing thing, which is cook a beautiful, tasty, simple plant-based meal for yourself. And then you have to invite me to eat it with you. <laughs> For I'd sure. love to do that. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this conversation with me. I really enjoyed it. And personally, I feel, uh, uh, I feel, I, I feel a little bit more confident in uh, speaking out this part of mine as well that I've been practicing. It, it was just a matter of confidence that, you know what, whatever I'm doing is actually working and it's okay to share with others. So, share what's in your heart. It's beautiful. You're doing that already. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I Thanks to you. really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. I'll be back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully really soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. I'll see you then again. Bye-bye. That was wonderful. Take care.